Hey, welcome back to the pod crashed. Today we're telling the story of AirAsia flight 8501. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. And we'll find out. We will. <laughs> Aw. Uh, we are both so tired. And <laughs> we are. <laughs> remember when we gave ourselves two weeks and yep. now it's Wednesday night? <laughs> yep. I just feel like, was it ever going to happen any other way? No, absolutely not. Well, not at first. Not at first. We got to get into a new groove. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was a nice little little breaky break. A little breaky break. Oh, breaky break, kind of. I mean, to be fair, I was thinking about this today. Like, this is just for me. This is just another nightly conversation, like we have. So, (laughs) there's literally no work involved for me. So, well, except for like, I guess the the scheduling aspect, right? Like, you have to be in one place at one time. Right, right, right. That's That's, like the easiest part. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know, (laughs) but. We'll find out. So yeah. we, I have my notes, and today, whoop, not that far. Today, not that far. I got other stuff in this notebook. <laughs> uh, okay, so today we're talking about Air Asia Flight Eight Five One. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Air Asia Flight Eight Five One. This flight took place on December twenty eighth, two thousand fourteen. Uh, there are 162 people on board, 55 passengers, seven crew, uh, two pilots, and five flight attendants. It's an Airbus A320, so we're going to, I guess, finally take down Airbus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like let's do it. Planning. Yeah. Um, and it's a decent size, plane 180 seats, so an Air, in, uh, A320 is the most popular uh like single aisle uh Mm. big plane like this like Mm -hmm. this type of plane um and i someone is going to tell me that i'm wrong and they would be right of course but i'm pretty sure that this is the plane that the max was trying to compete with this is what the yeah this was the plane that was nice and tall could put these big engines underneath it yeah um so this flight is flying from Duanda International Airport in Surabaya, Indonesia, to Singapore. So we have Captain Irianto, which because we're we're back in Indonesia, baby, which mm-hmm. means that we get one name. Yeah, one name is enough. That's what we like. <laughs> we do, we do. So Captain Irianto, that's it. Like share, and <laughs> Remy, and Remy is the first officer. Remy is a French national uh, okay. from. Montanique, Martinique. I know Perfect. what it is. Martinique. Yeah. And so I I like to think about these people. Like so Irianto, he's got twenty thousand flight hours. He flew in the military. Whoa. Like he's been flying as long as he has been allowed to, I guess. Like he yeah. he's got tons and tons of hours. No Carlos. No Carlos. But no one touches Carlos. Nobody. I just want to ask Carlos about it so badly. I, I keep being scared that like we're gonna finally talk to Carlos and he's going to say like, "Oh no, like that's just wrong." Yeah, right. right. <laughs> like it's not possible to have that many flight hours at that age. Right. Like, I would have to live in a plane. <laughs> I, I mean, he's crushed. still like he's still flying. That's true. That's true. 
That man wanted Carlos, man. He loves he loves to fly. He loves to fly. He flies all the time. The only reason I know is because of his Instagram. Yeah. And he posts his cute little grandkids that he takes flying all the time. And I just think, like, what a life. Love Carlos. Yeah. Love he's just, Carlos. He's just a good family man. Yeah. With a plane, apparently. Right? Yeah. His own, yeah. His own plane. I mean, he he's deserves it. I hope someone gave him a plane for oh, yeah. his heroic act. That's where we should be sending our our many millions that we make from this. She <laughs> <laughs> sent them straight to the Carlos, get the second plane fund. Yeah. Uh, where's okay? So our boy Rami, uh, two thousand flight hours, not as much experience okay. flying. So to the, it's more than I have. I was gonna. I was just gonna say it's more than I have. <laughs> right. And I don't know. I just like thinking about this. Like our boy Rami, he's from Martinique. Like he's an island boy. He's living in in uh, I don't know where he's actually living, but I'm gonna believe <laughs> in my heart he's living over here in like the uh like global. Yeah. South out here. Yeah. yeah. One so, of the millions yeah. of islands that are in Indonesia. Oh, islands. Oh, oh nice. I need an island. I we live on an island, but it's not not the right kind of it's island. It's not the right kind of island. <laughs> but um so the plane had a little bit of baby maintenance twelve days before, but everything's been fine. It's been flying fine since then. And uh so our our plane takes off at 5 30 in the morning because it's super early the flight's two hours should be a little hop skip and a jump over um between i don't know what ocean that is part of the pacific ocean yeah <laughs> part of the indian ocean yeah i'm gonna cut this part out but <laughs> <laughs> so leave it uh, in no, <laughs> be brave be brave <laughs> but uh so fun little fact about this part of the world uh it's where the it's called the intertropical convergence zone mm. so it's where all of the hot water of the world comes together and converges it's the hottest water in the world which mm. sounds nice if you're on vacation yeah um but it's actually terrible because that's hot water is what makes hurricanes and stuff mm, right or not hurric- i guess over in that part of the world it would be Typhoons? thank you yeah. thank you thank you Ah, so many stories about not knowing what a typhoon is <laughs> at Japan, for Japan Airlines, but <laughs> another day, another yeah. day. So, um, so again, weather isn't weather interesting. So these like massive, massive, massive storms can just like kick up very quickly in this area, mm. right? Because the water is so hot, swirling around. And so these huge storms can kick up and they can really... Um, in- increase in power i don't know what the right word would be go yeah. super saying really really fast right so they can uh be you know maybe a medium-sized thunderstorm one second and then it can kind of dissipate or it can go to the extreme and be you know these huge towers of weather and it, in normal i mean again flying over glamorous elegant buffalo new york mm-hmm. you know the thunderstorm can only be so high right you can fly over it in a right. normal plane um but here the the like wall of thunderstorm i don't really know how else to describe it the column of thunderstorm can actually go from the surface of the water so high up that the top of the thunderstorm like the top of the storm is colder than negative 100 degrees fahrenheit whoa 
Yeah. So it can be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly cold at the top and then obviously hot and rainy at the bottom. So weather, but yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the plane takes off, no problem uh, at five thirty in the morning. It's going along uh, 22 minutes into the flight. They look on their radar and the pilots can see like, oh, we have a little thunderstorm brewing up there. Right. So as they are um, like headed in the direction of the thunderstorm, they're actually on a trajectory to pass right through the center of it, which is not ideal. That's not what you hope for. Mm -hmm. Right. So as they're approaching it, um, they are at 32,000 feet. So the captain uh, is not flying the plane. So Remy is flying the plane. Irianto, yep, Irianto is uh, the captain. And so he's not the pilot in command. He's not flying right now. But he orders um, anti-ice, right? Because it can be so incredibly cold up there at the top. Mm. And they're going to try to still fly up higher because they want to get, you know, as high as, uh, I guess, as high as they can because there will be less uh, tumult. I don't know what to call it, like at the top. Right. And they could fly over it because they don't, it's unpredictable how massive the storm will be. And they tell the flight attendants, like, hey, we're going to get some turbulence. Like, tell everybody to buckle up or stay buckled. You're 22 minutes into the flight. So, you know, stay buckled. Oh, don't get up. Right. Don't feed everybody. Yeah. So the pilots. Uh, are flying at 32,000 feet. They want to go up to 38,000 feet, 6,000 feet uh, up. And that's a steep climb, right? Yeah. But they're in an area, they've only been in the air for 22 minutes, and they're in like a relatively like busy part of the world. So um, they need permission, like, you know, they always would. Uh, but as they're trying to figure that out, um, they, the master caution, like, boop, comes on, mm. right? And so the first officer, Remy, is flying and, you know, he just says like, oh, um, like ECAM, right? So we, I try to like very slowly integrate all of these terms, <laughs> like all of these, like the many acronyms, alphabet soup of, of aviation. I know I so, appreciate it. Our listeners are probably like, God, catch up already, but <laughs> I no, we're, we are trying to make this a safe place for people who don't know. Exactly. Anything. And you can't ever learn more than I know. And I don't know that much. (laughs) But we, uh, or at least from this podcast, people can learn more than I know. Right, right, right. uh, The ECAM system is the Electronic Centralized Aircraft Monitor. So it's a, it's a, it monitors the computers, it monitors the systems, it lets you know, right? So it's, it's like a little computer right so you you have the master caution light so then you check the ecam and it will tell you what to do right what what you need to do in response to that um little ding right Mm. uh so the ecam says turn it off and turn it back on (laughs) oh my god (laughs) because that is the eternal like solution with computers right literally it says it says what it doesn't just say turn it off it says specifically to um to turn off to specific computers, the computers where the reading is coming from, right? Mm-hmm. It says like, oh, turn these two aspects, these two monitors, computers, whatever the right word is, off and turn them back on. Oof. So Remy flips it off, flips it back on, right? Just those two, just those two computers, not the whole thing. And the light goes off and they're like, okie dokie, Smokey. And so they ask 
uh, air traffic control, like, hey, can we go to 38,000 feet? And air traffic control goes, no, (laughs) you can go to 34,000 feet because there's other planes and everybody's trying to get up above the storm, right? right? So they have to keep everybody at different flight levels and not moving in the same direction and all of that stuff. So uh, as they're communicating, you know, air traffic control tells them like, no, but you can do 34,000 feet. Uh, the ding comes back on, right? So same exact error. The ECAM says, turn it off, turn it back on. So they flip it off, flip it back on, light goes off. Uh, while they are in the process of climbing to 34,000 feet, they're starting to get into the weather, right? So the plane, they're, they're flying into the storm. So they're starting to get like, they're steady, right like it's okay but there's turbulence it's scary to fly into a thunderstorm yeah. even if i'm sure for even very experienced pilots i don't know it's scary to look out the window to look ahead of you and it's just you know chaos yeah. of a thunderstorm to fly through a thunderstorm i can't even imagine right that. like i can't imagine willfully i don't like driving if it's raining and dark i'm blind <laughs> so 100 blind so um yeah so uh, ding, little thing comes back on, yeah. right? Same exact error message. The captain, Irianto, is getting um, a little annoyed. He doesn't like the computer dinging at him all the time. Uh, he's also, you know, he's not the one flying. So I don't know if, you know, when you're, when you're on but not that busy mm-hmm. and something's just like itching away at you, bothering you, yeah. it's annoying, right? So, uh, but whatever. Uh, Remy's flying and he flips it off flips it back on right so as they're uh, they've reached 34,000 feet sorry and the air traffic control contacts them again right to say to talk about you know they the pilots want to get to a higher level and they're trying to arrange this in the air traffic control office they you know have their extremely terrifying looking screen with all of the planes wherever they are right Mm. And so air traffic control asks them like um, something about like, okay, so, you know, what flight level are you at? Where do you want to go? Even though they can see all of that, but they communicate with the pilots to make sure everybody's on the same page. Right. Ding. Little thing comes back. Oh my right. God. Exactly. So Irianto goes enough of this. Right. <laughs> I'm with him. He's done. Yes, exactly. He's, he's like enough, enough, enough. So he gets up out of his chair and goes to uh, reset the whole system, right? Because he's sick of this. Um, now, there's like a fun little story. Let's go back in time. Three days earlier, okay. Captain Irianto had been flying on a plane and the freaking ECAM system had been dinging for the exact same reason. Oh. Ding, ding, ding God. all the time. And he did what he's supposed to do, flipped it off, flipped it back on the, the specific part that it was telling you to, right? And it annoyed him. Right. So three uh, three days earlier, he had this whole problem. And when he landed, maintenance came and all maintenance did was flip the entire system off and flip it back on. Okay. Right. And Irianto, apparently this is just a thing with these planes or at least the planes owned by AirAsia. And Irianto had asked, oh, can I do that during, while I'm flying? Yeah. Like, can I turn the whole system off and turn the whole system back on while I'm flying? And they said, yeah, go for oh it. No God. problem. So Irianto says, okay, cool. So he's had enough of this. He's sick of this little ding, 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 ding every 30 seconds. He hasn't wanted to listen to that for two hours. He hops out of his chair, goes to the circuit breaker, turns the whole thing off, flips it back on. 
boom, the plane starts to bank to the left. Oh my god! I was plane starts say, to bank to the what, Why? Why would you? Like, I get it. He asked whatever the other guy did it. Yeah. But I would never. I don't care how many flight hours I have. I don't think I'd ever yeah. feel comfortable flipping a whole system off midair <sighs> in the middle of a thunderstorm. And that's right. So he had asked. Remy's got it unlocked. Like whatever. But he just was frustrated yeah. it's six o'clock in the morning too right? right he's been awake for four hours or however long like so immediately the plane banks to the left captain tries to hop back into his seat and says like level 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 remy pulls hard to the right yeah. as he pulls hard to the right the plane goes hard to the right yeah. if a plane banks too hard in either direction it'll just like slice down to the earth right because you don't have the air moving over the wings anymore to keep you level or to keep you in flight so he pulls it hard to the right as he pulls it hard to the right all of a sudden the plane starts to pull up right so the plane uh the captain as they're pulling hard to the right the captain uh says pull down pull down which isn't a clear message necessarily Uh right so the pilot or the pilot in command who's the first officer remy the uh starts to turn the plane to the left to overcorrect his bank to the right but as he's doing that the he's he's lifting the nose of the plane and the plane starts to rocket straight up six thousand feet a minute which is between two and three times you, what you're actually supposed to do like it's it's rocketing up 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 Oof. up up they're already at thirty four thousand feet so as they rocket up they approach forty thousand feet and we haven't talked about this at length but forty thousand you know how like ten thousand feet is where stuff starts to change mm-hmm. forty thousand feet is another place where stuff starts to change right so as the plane rockets up 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 uh we've talked about it a million different times but in order to lift the plane, you have to uh, add a lot of power mm. because as you're going up, you're fighting gravity more. So your plane will start to slow. So for 6,000 feet or very nearly, it was like 5,800 feet or whatever. So for very nearly 6,000 feet, the plane rockets straight up, 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 up. And then as it's lifting up, it gets slower and slower and slower. And then the plane starts to fall. Mm. As the plane starts to fall, they are trying to regain control of the plane but it starts to fall at such an incredible rate of descent that you know just the forces on their body everything the plane starts to tilt to the left which again so they can't see they can't see the water they have no horizon everything around them is black and thunderstorms and clouds and lightning and so as they fall they bank to the left and fall into the sky and crash into the ocean oh gosh everyone on board is killed yeah Yeah. so this was eight months after malaysian airlines flight 370 vanished oh wow and this is in that you know same region most of the passengers on board are indonesian the as so the from air traffic controls perspective right they had had somebody ask to climb, like, as they're entering a thunderstorm, which a bunch of other planes in the area are also doing, right? So from air traffic control's perspective, they see a plane, 
uh, that's been communicating with them that asked to go to a higher elevation. They gave them permission to a different elevation. And then they asked them a question and didn't get an answer. And they had been uh, kept trying to call them mm. because if you don't get an answer, you know, there's no phone cut. You got to get your answer right, right, right with the plane. So they had been trying to communicate with them. And then they watched the plane, um, the little ticker, like on the, there's a little number yeah. next to the plane that tells you the elevation oh my god that's horrifying controller. exactly so they watch that number shoot up and then fall 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 and then the plane just vanished from their radar god. so with malaysian airlines 370 which i promised there will be a big episode about <laughs> at some point but um they had lost touch with that plane right and then it had just vanished from their yeah. radar so there's something immediately very very scary for them it's scary no matter yeah. what there's no chance that it's good news no. right but it's striking like a very particular fear the way that the american airlines flight that crashed in queens hit like a very specific fear because it was right after 9 11 yeah. so they can't go out there to look for it because there's a huge storm right so they yeah. can't rush right out there to try to find people after the storm passes uh, they do send people out you know they send all the search and rescue parties out and it took a while to locate it but finally they did they located the wreckage of the plane mm. they gathered everything there's we don't often talk about the um body recovery mm -hmm. um but that for this uh, particular flight one of the first bodies they recovered was a junior flight attendant like a flight attendant in training oh, who had been working on the flight yes like um, named Nasi um, and her body was recovered uh, she, it was one of the first bodies recovered and her body her funeral her family kind of became like a it was publicized like her funeral was televised mm. and that kind of became one of the like central kind of concentrated mourning rituals, I guess, yeah. of the nation. There's something, even if you don't lose somebody, there is still something collectively to yeah. mourn. So, and that was kind of the placeholder I mean, for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And there's not, a ton to say about that i guess i just wanted to mention it because i think that she's significant and she's like significantly connected yeah. to that crash especially in the minds of people who who live there or people who did lose friends or people who they recovered 116 of the bodies which means that 50 or so bodies were not recovered yeah. that's and a that's, lot that's i mean to recover yeah. that's a lot yeah yeah it is. It's, it's, uh, I mean, how do I say this? Like, that's something, I mean, there's a whole conversation sitting there, right, to talk about, like, what it would be like to not get your loved one's body yeah. back. I don't know. It took them 10 days to find the black box. Oh, wow. And during that time, there's obviously a lot of speculation, right? The order I've told the story in. I already said what happened or most of what happened. We'll talk more about that, obviously. But um, one of the things that people had speculated was 
um, an updraft. And it seems like for a long time, this idea persisted. And I've seen stuff like in researching this, it seems like some like this idea has persisted that there's a there was an intense updraft, which is a real thing that can happen, right? If you're in like a really, really powerful storm, these huge bubbles of air can basically push your plane straight up until you reach an altitude where you're and you're not making forward motion right so it pushes you straight up and then connected to that rising air there is a um i don't know the whatever the equal force is a physics person and a and a uh meteorologist could explain it better but um like forces the plane back down and that is a thing that has happened and a thing that we'll unfortunately have opportunity to talk about again and the complexity of like so if that happened right if that had been the thing that happened it would be a horrifying tragedy right all of those people are still gone but then it's just like an act of god it's no one's fault it like releases everybody of any blame fault responsibility any of the complex feelings that go along Mm. with that and i i don't know this i wasn't there i'm not i don't live in you know, I don't live in any of the countries that were more directly affected by this. So I'm not trying to, um, I can't, my speculation is just speculation, but it seems like that idea has persisted. One of the documentaries I watched about it kind of really like pushed that idea, even though it came out like well after the report was out and we know that that's not what happened. It might've contributed. It's totally possible that that we won't know. There's no way to ever know that. I mean, I guess it's technically possible that there was also an updraft that added to all of this, but there's not really any reason to think that. I mean, the other factors definitely have a play. Right. I guess it just makes me think about, It makes me think about how complex, like when we talk about these stories, it's part of what makes these stories, some of them easier to tell than others. It's that idea that like blame question that's so difficult and complex and painful because there's no bad guy. But um, But then there's a bad guy that's kind of determined anyways. Right, right. So the investigators, you know, look they get the plane thankfully like a lot of the plane was recovered and that gives them the black boxes were recovered the flight data recorders all that i have a question about the black box does it have a gps in it um that it has a it like emits a radio signal all the time until it's found like or just all the time it it, in every flight except for like mhc 70 and maybe this one very mysterious plane crash from south america usually you find it because you kind of know where the plane mm. is so you go to that place and then you pick up the signal and then gotcha. you find it um with mh370 i don't know if um i don't know how closely you followed that at the time which is not <laughs> like because the answer could be not at all because why right. would you <laughs> but um one of the things around i'm gonna get this number wrong but like around the 90 day mark or two month mark there was like this line where the battery on the radio transmitter dies and that was like a big rush at the beginning of the search for the malaysian airlines flight that idea that um you have to find the black box before it stops emitting that signal because once it emits that it stops emitting that signal it is gone right which has borne out and that's part of the reason why 
we'll talk more about it someday, but that's part of the reason why the time that we lost searching for the plane in the correct area mm. was so pertinent. Yeah. I don't know what to say, but but usually like they know approximately where the plane is and they go to that spot and they they use the radio signal to help them locate okay. it. Wow. Um the so black box is like what everybody calls it colloquially. That's a hard word to say, but I just, but um, the, it's the, the flight data recorder has, I actually, full disclosure, for a long time, I thought that all it really had on it was like the voices of the pilots and that that's what we use to like figure stuff out. No, it has all kinds oh. of data. It has all of the inputs that the pilots are putting in. It has all of the inputs that the plane is giving, giving them, right? So they can really recreate the situation with quite a bit of accuracy obviously you if the pilots aren't there to tell you what they thought was happening then you don't ever get that mm-hmm. data um, unless they say it out loud so they get the flight data recorder they go through everything and they establish okay so the the numbers okay stuff <laughs> sorry so in this um there is like a word for this that I'm not coming up with that is like the list of causes, but it's not a list of causes. It's like the the story of the accident. I don't know what okay. to call it. But so A, there was a malfunction in the RTLU system, which is the rudder travel limiter units hmm. system. You don't, I don't, no pressure okay. to learn that one. <laughs> But um, so basically that system, it just helps. It's a, um, to my understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's a system that keeps the rudder from moving too far to one side or the other. Mm. Right. For all I know, this was put into planes because of American Airlines 191 or whatever that flight was that crashed in Queens as a result of the rudder being overused. I don't know that, but I wouldn't be surprised because that's, that's planes right so this system is a like keeps the plane from the rudder from being over um deflected to either side so when they found that part of the plane right when they found it in the wreckage they could see that there were tiny cracks in the wires pipes something yeah there were tiny cracks in it so that's what was causing the warning right so you're getting this like ding like hey something's wrong and then turn it off and turn it back on and then hope it stays off that was the cycle that everyone was caught in oh my gosh so these little and they didn't notice that when they were doing the maintenance apparently not i guess they were just so tiny i don't know the the what for whatever reason Either they didn't detect it or they didn't write it down. Whatever it was, they Mm. didn't fix it. So there were these tiny, tiny cracks. um, And there had actually been 23 times where this warning had gone off in the last few, in the last year, in the last one year on this plane, this warning had sounded 23 times. So yeah, they really. Yeah, they yeah. I was just guys. gonna say, like, all right, maybe I'm being too harsh. Like, it's obviously hindsight. We have a very holistic view of this situation, but come on, yes, come on, yeah, a year. Like, just yeah. check it. That's a- 
23 times is really like every two weeks you're having the same problem i know but um so the that was the initial problem problem two is that the pilot got sick and tired of this little ding 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 had been told just a few days ago by the maintenance workers that it was safe to reset the circuit breakers on the whole kit and caboodle right um and he had been explicitly asked and explicitly been told by the maintenance workers that it would be safe right so he got out of his seat to go and flip the breakers or whatever uh it's not safe no No. you can't do that right you can't you can't do that and i don't know again like in order for them to find that out, they must have literally interviewed like all of the people he'd talked to in like the Jeez. last year. And I know that's part of what they do when the when the pilots are dead. That's something that they do is like go and like interview like everybody who's flown with you, everybody who's talked to you. Like that's like a big investigation. And I know that like some maintenance workers had to sit there and say like, oh, like he asked if if it was safe and we told him it was and the maintenance guy isn't a pilot right like and i know maintenance workers probably know planes very very intimately and i don't want to like take away from their knowledge set but for every reason for whatever reason they thought it was safe it's not safe so when they my handwriting (laughs) is incredibly messy so when they uh told him that it was safe um they captain discussed flights investigation system in flight who knows what that means oh okay yeah i know it is it's not discussed it's disabled (laughs) so so there's so a the thing went wrong b the pilot uh the captain rather um went and disabled the entire system or flipped the breakers right when he did that it disabled all of like the intricate small systems that are controlling like tiny tiny things on the plane right so the whole idea with all of the computers on board a plane is that um there's all of these like tiny little adjustments that are just happening automatically all the time right so if you figure um a big plane used to take three pilots to fly and they had to be like locked in and focused Mm -hmm. right and now really one pilot can fly the plane and and shouldn't right like have to for any length of time but all those systems make that technically possible right when you disable the whole thing when you disable the autopilot and all of the systems that like make those tiny adjustments obviously you end up with a system where those small adjustments don't get made right so things start to become unsteady so when he disabled that system that the rudder moved two degrees very small little adjustment uh, i think if somebody says two degrees is actually a ton please tell me but but uh, made a small it's it deflected to the left just a little bit right when that happened and the plane started to tilt left both pilots did panic a little bit they just that's the truth right and i totally get that because if i flipped a breaker and like things started to just tilt suddenly with like uncommanded it just happened it's scary the captain hops back in his seat and is saying like level the plane out level the plane out and the first officer goes too hard to the right it's just he overcorrects as he overcorrected um he 
it seems like that's the point where he lost spatial Mm. awareness Mm -hmm. and I don't know how often we talk about that but that's exactly what it sounds like do you know where you are in space and in a plane that's obviously much more complex than it is in a car and it definitely happens in a car like in an accident you definitely lose spatial awareness you don't know which part of the road you're on or where you are but in a plane that happens in not only you know on right and left but also up and down and how tilted you are and there's no horizon there's no visual cues Mm -hmm. or visual markers to tell them where they are so as he tilts too hard to the right and the plane banks he what they think he's not alive to ask but is that he believed that they were falling that they were diving because of the feeling of like tilting to the right and so he pulled up now the captain said pull down so pull up makes sense in a plane because in order to lift the nose you literally pull back on the on the um controls right right? you pull them back it lifts up the nose of the plane and you lift up right so pull down i think is a very natural thing to say in a second language right you're saying no no right down down yeah but pull down physically the action you make if you imagine pulling down is the same action as Mm. pulling up right like you pull the the control column towards you which is like down or whatever it was it just wasn't clear and again no it's confusing it's the most confusing moment of your entire life right so the the plane slightly corrected to the left and as it like went up 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 and i know we already touched on this but as it goes up 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 um the higher you are in altitude the closer the margin is the margin of error is the closer the margin of error is around your um speed versus attitude uh, and the more danger the more you are in danger mm. of stalling anybody who got through that sentence you did it two points but <laughs> so the you it's it's much easier to accidentally stall the aircraft right because the air is thinner because the air is thinner you need more air passing over the wings right or it needs to be moving passing over the wings more quickly so as you go up you need to be going faster and then you need to be going faster just to maintain level flight than you would lower down. So uh, they shot up way too high. The plane stalled and they just were not able to recover. And part probably part of the reason why they weren't able to recover, recover is because the, it, the spatial awareness doesn't just like pop back in, right? Unless you right, like get a reference something, point. Unless you get exactly if you don't get a reference point if you don't if somebody the the captain didn't take control of the aircraft um which is unusual but the whole thing from start to finish was like Jeez. 70 seconds yeah yeah so that's they determined all of that and um then said like hey you should have replaced that part yeah air asia you should have replaced that part especially if this is a plane you have on other a problem you have especially if this is a problem you have on other planes you should have replaced that part and what's very interesting to me is that the investigators didn't put pilot error. oh they they didn't put that in the report they said 
the pilots did not respond correctly <laughs> to the situation, but they like explicitly left out the term hmm. pilot error. And that's very interesting. And again, that brings me back to that idea that I wonder if that like early belief that it was weather right. it was caused by weather. I don't know. Either way, I mean, I'm always happy to not see pilot error, but pilot this error. one is, <laughs> is pilot error. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very sad, but it, it just is. Um, but Jeez. yeah, that's the story of AirAsia Flight 8501. Yeah. Damn. Uh, I hate doing these ones, but like, yeah, we have to because they deserve to be told but also i i think that i think there's something too like if we don't tell if we don't tell these stories then the many 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 stories where everybody survives where the pilots like pull out i think that they will be yeah. less impressive yeah. if we only tell those stories it'll sound like oh it's no problem like pilots can always like regain control yeah. of a plane and and i mean i think I there know. is something to say like you know, we we all make mistakes that have significant consequences. Maybe not those types of consequences, but um, mm. I don't know. It just kind of humanizes the whole situation a little more, I think. And it allows us to, yeah, I don't know, just have it out there, I guess, <laughs> for people who have never heard of it. You know, yeah. I mean, like I've never heard of any of these stories so it's nice to i don't know it's just nice to hear you know not nice in like oh yay people died but no i get you you know no 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 right it's because i mean they were <sighs> love like they were I... someone's family you know um yeah yeah and it's like 70 90 seconds 70 to 90 seconds like you just right screwed up you know and that like sucks that really sucks like you didn't deserve that you did i'm sure yeah. you did the best you could in those 90 seconds and it just yeah. didn't end well you know and i mean all of the movements like every input every decision was geared toward yeah saving the plane right exactly talked about road rage we went on a fun adventure friends we did we did it was such a fun day it was a great day i will i will say i was worried that i had like a blood clot in my leg afterwards oh gosh yeah i don't i 100 don't and i'm 100 fine but i don't know i think i must have strained my leg or something and i was like oh "Oh, dear god no (laughs) we mariah we drove and by that i mean mariah drove to and from dc is that okay we're like yeah. definitely giving away where we live okay yeah so just round trip from new york to dc in one day yeah with like a a, a unfortunately not 30 minutes pause at a freaking target where they charge you for parking if you stay longer than 30 minutes but absurd oh, uh, despicable it enrages me like we are coming from new york i have to pay to breathe right that was too much no that that is classism i don't care what anybody says that was some classist bullshit because they don't want people parking there 
and had target not given us that voucher we would have had to pay 25 dollars. 25 dollars. we were in there for 31 minutes terrible Get out of here terrible i i say that to say we talked about road rage a lot yes. on that trip because yeah. it was pertinent um and mariah as far as i can tell has no road rage i do not friends. no i really I, don't i think ty would probably disagree Nobody has anger compared to Ty of any kind. <laughs> exactly. There's there is no anger in Ty, but but only like frustration sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. But um I just think about like that frustration, like the irritation, mm. like most of us have probably driven cars that like broke down all the time and you yep. like get very mad at the car or like you have a check engine light. The check engine light on our car has been on for like two years (laughs) right it's still still going yeah still going strong but um all of that like i just think about how terrible and like crushing it is that this was in no small part caused by the pilot or the captain just getting frustrated with that little ding 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 and i think most people can probably get that on like a human level that you and he had asked he asked if it was okay right he thought it was fine right and he's already flustered in that moment and then to think oh my god i just basically ruined our like this whole thing you know i'm sure he felt that way immediately i i cannot imagine i cannot imagine the confusion i don't know we talked about the helios flight like the flight where um everybody on board got hypoxia the thing Mm. that i think disturbs me the most about that flight is just how confused everyone must have been i just hate that feeling of like i don't know like just not feeling like you can figure out what's going on and you know it's very very important but you just can't get a grasp on like what's around you or what's happening and i just hate thinking about like how just baffling it must be (sighs) and to have multiple languages yeah in the cockpit i mean i'm sure they were perfectly able to communicate but it's just like that split second you know and then to say down instead of back or whatever it is like right that's yeah. and when you're when it's like an emergency i was um i'm a terrible driver you're gonna hear a lot about it dear friends um <laughs> i picked up um we uh, picked up our friends from the airport and our friends are danish and i was not paying attention and like was going to roll into a parked car that was like we were coming up to a stoplight <laughs> and i was just rolling up not paying attention and my friend was saying who was in the passenger seat was like brands brands yeah. and i was just like i don't that's not a word i know right, so it didn't right. mean anything to me and it's it's break right it's break in danish yeah. and it's the one of two words i know in danish because of that story <laughs> um but like that yeah in that moment like when you're they speak perfect english yeah completely spotless flawless english right yeah. but when you're in that like heightened state because you're like hey i'm about to get into a car accident right you casey like <laughs> yeah like that of course you don't you're you're not it's not your mother tongue right you're not saying exactly the perfect thing right yeah i mean your brain can only process so much like it's what is it like fight flight or freeze yeah definitely And those are kind of the three options you got going 
Right. And what's what's cool is that like like pilots are hired for temperament, you know, a lot of the time, sure, right? Yeah. And I think that there is something very cool about the fact that the even stories that have tragic endings, the vast, 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 vast majority of the time, pilots do like fight, fight, fight the whole time, right? They yeah. they do, and yeah. that's part of the training they receive, right? Is to like do not give up. Um I'm just gonna steal a story, I guess, from Kelsey. So anybody who listens to us probably already knows uh seven four gear. It's a channel on YouTube. Um we we've never spoken to him. This isn't like a I mean, you should watch his channel. I think his channel's really cool. Um, but one of the stories he tells is when he um, he's a pilot. Um, and one of the stories he tells is that he was in the flight academy or whatever, he was in training, like in flight mm-hmm. school, in the flight simulator. And something, like, was going wrong in his flight. And he, like, stopped, raised his hand, called the instructor over and said, I think something is wrong with the simulation. And apparently the instructor screamed at him right there in front of everybody. Like, there's nothing wrong with the simulation. There's something wrong with your plane, basically. Like, and you need to, like, do not give up. I don't care what you think. I don't care, you know, what you think is happening. I don't care if you think it's a, a simulation error stay right there and stay in it and like fight to the end and I appreciate them receiving that training I I don't like it when people yell at people (laughs) but but that idea that that's part of the training for pilots that you stay in it the whole time uh I don't know there's stories yeah and it's just not something I don't know I mean before this like before we really started talking about this a lot it's just not something I thought of like it was just another job you know you go up in the air and you land it like yeah you just don't think about the intricacies like i was talking to um christine today about it and it was just like pilots are going to do their best until the very end yeah and it's kind of like i don't know it's like a first responder almost situation where yeah when something is going awry like they have to jump in and know exactly what to do in order to fix the situation and it's just not something that i've ever thought about (laughs) ever ever and it is kind of amazing like it's it's um i don't know it just gives me a sense of like pride like wow all right pilots you know yeah yeah no i totally get that i definitely feel that we've talked i think maybe in the first or second episode we talked about when the plane does crash and pilots do die mm-hmm. the the very last thing on the cvr is really often like either prayer or acceptance mm, yeah and it's like this instantaneous thing and that i mean i'm i think that that matches the passengers too like that's something with this one the passengers also don't have a point of reference. All they have is, um, like, they can't look out the window and mm-hmm. tell if the plane is, like, tilting. Yeah. And they have, like, the the gravitational forces, like, on their body. But this, they got, like, information that there was going to be turbulence. And then, I don't know. Yeah. But that, that like... I don't know back to that idea I guess just of how they do fight to the end yeah and then a lot of times there is this moment immediately before the end where 
I don't know, in like a fantasy world, what I'd like to believe is that like they genuinely feel like they did everything they could. Mm. That would be my hope. Yeah. But I guess we could, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, have you ever um, been to, have you ever looked at planecrashinfo.com? planecrashinfo.com it's like a dark web it's like a black website with red lettering <laughs> no no so, how have i missed this? it's so bizarre that because uh i think it was a couple weeks ago my co-worker sent this to me not knowing about the podcast oh. and she just sent this to me and said hey take a look and it's basically last words of um oh. pilots or whoever uh you know like whatever the black box records And you can kind of read the transcripts and kind of just see. um, It's really like, I don't know. It's sad, but it was was also just. um, Some of them are kind of funny. And like, so I don't think every every single one of these, um, like the people died. I think it was just like before the plane actually crashed. Yeah. Um, and some of them are funny but some of them it's just i don't know it's just interesting to read that i think that there's so we talk about how there's like strong parallels between what we do and true crime yeah right there's this idea that there's an investigation and there's like fear and there's mortality and there's like all of these different aspects where it just feels similar yeah and i think about how there is a segment of the population that is not curious about either of those things. And that's totally neutral. Like if you are the person who gave us one star review and this just isn't (laughs) your thing, that's fine. Right. No problem. We still love you. We do love you. But that said, I think for most people, there's like this deep, intense curiosity, right? This like intense desire to, um, like find something out about mortality yeah. because there's we we can't know so much and that idea that i don't know just it's something that's so difficult not to be curious about and i think again people who don't care for that mm-hmm. find that to be i think can imagine that it's very disrespectful and i think there is a disrespectful version right i think that people who um I don't know. I think there's just versions of all of these things that are good, bad, and neutral. And I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I've definitely watched videos like, or read things like the, I th- about like pilot's last words because it's just impossible not to be curious. It's impossible for me not to be curious. Yeah. And it's not gleeful. It's not even enjoyable. No, exactly. It's just, it's just something that it's so hard not to be curious about and i think it almost feels like since it exists like it exists so people should know and i guess that's why we're doing this in the first place like i feel like these just these things deserve to be known these people deserve to be known these stories deserve to be known so absolutely yeah absolutely and if they survive sometimes they are funny and then you can laugh because yeah like they survive exactly like my favorite plane crash which is a horrible thing to say and that's (laughs) i don't mean it but the one that i find to be the most interesting one of the things the pilot um one of the pilots said to the other pilot like um when 
Like when we get down there, we're going to get a beer. And the other one said like, I don't drink, but like, yeah. Yep, we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someday I want to figure out a way for us to listen to the King Air flight, the whole CVR. Mm, yeah. Okay. And again, anybody who out there knows what I'm talking about, but Mariah I do not. doesn't know. So don't Google okay, it. I will not. It'll give it away I was gonna, immediately. I'm looking at this thing now. I'm wondering if it's on there. King, oh, King, like K-I-N-G. Yeah, King Air. Okay. So I don't think it'll. That's not. Um, that's like the. I'm being intentionally vague. That's but, fine. No, no, no. That's King fine. Air let, it, is, let it be vague. Yeah, that's like the name of the kind of plane or whatever. Got you. It's like a Cessna. It's like a little plane, and there is a CVR out there that some of you will already know what I'm talking about. Um, that is like an hour long, and I don't know if anybody wants guys. I don't know how to do twitch or i don't know how to do streaming Ooh. i don't know how to do any of that stuff yeah, can... that's something i've thought about for a long time that it it would be a very fun thing to like watch together or stream watching or guys i don't know i'm a very old Ooh. woman <laughs> but but we could do that we can make it into a like an event yeah like a watch party yeah or whatever. if anybody wants that just message us and we'll do it because yeah for real it would be i feel fun. like we'll have to do it in the middle of the night because apparently we have 10 thousand listeners in ireland <laughs> which we appreciate and we love you oh i'm so glad you said something eli our girl yes. eli. oh my gosh eli thank you <laughs> we got the nicest nicest email ever yeah. ever ever yeah. ever from eli and we love you so much yeah. you made our day i know we said this in the bonus episode but this is a real episode and you deserve to be shouted Twice. out in a real episode twice yeah i mean yes. only the finals. those were some of the nicest words ever spoken yes it was so yeah, it was nice really sweet thank you eli yeah message us anytime yeah. but no pressure i don't want it to, I don't we want don't want it to be creepy but anytime yeah. <laughs> right like when your grandma asks you too many times if you liked the gift exactly she got you. oh my gosh we don't want no to do no, no, no no yeah so thank you thank you thank you to eli yeah. um and if you want to make our day better <laughs> you can email us at the podcast at gmail.com you can find us on tiktok and instagram mm -hmm. and you can send us a little voice memo if you want to if you want to send us a little audio recording you can send one um using the link in the description yeah so i wonder yeah. i would be curious if uh, any of our international listeners can use that feature. Like, I wonder if that's oh, yeah. only for the States. That's interesting. I wonder, that could be true. So if somebody, dear Eli, or another one of our friends. Yes, anybody. Across yeah. the pond. Our many friends. Want yeah. to try that, we would appreciate it. I don't know if it's, maybe, I guess we could Google it. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I would settle for? <laughs> And settle it's not even settling mm -hmm. would be our canadian listeners we've been watching you this whole time and we ask you to email Literally. us but you don't email us and we see you you haven't given up nope. on us uh and we love you so much and we talk about canada all the time so why don't you send us a little yeah. voice memo and we won't make fun of your not accent. at all listen to our accent we sound horrifying <laughs> right and we grew up you know next to yeah. Canada holding hands with Canada because the so. Canadian accent fully commits our accent is the mix between a lot of different areas and it just yeah. 
makes me cringe in my sleep and it's fine oh i know uh if you want to send us a voice memo just making fun of our accents we will 100 percent accept yeah. that that would our be hard days. If you want to make fun of our accents yeah a little parody <laughs> go for it we just like to hear yeah it. that's really it, it is so. nice when you guys email yeah. us yeah we love yes. you and i, I love, love you so much casey thanks, thanks for, listening. for listening guys bye, bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pod Crashed. I so hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love getting corrections and better explanations than I'm capable of creating on my own from all of you. Um, editing this, I realized right off the bat that I should clarify one thing. Uh, in this episode, I talked about the idea that as a plane rises in altitude, it becomes more difficult to maintain flight because a plane is in danger of stalling if it goes too slow or going over speed if it goes too fast. Now, I'm not going to be able to explain this elegantly, but my basic understanding is that the higher a plane is, the closer those speeds become. So at a high altitude, like 40,000 feet, the speed at which a plane will be going too slow and stall or go over speed becomes nearly the same, meaning pilots have to keep the speed within this very, very, very narrow margin. If you know a lot more about that, I would love to talk to you. If you are perhaps a person who flies planes for the military and you fly at incredible altitudes, of course we want to hear from you. Um, or if you just know more about the physics or aerodynamics behind all this, if you want to leave an explanation uh, for us, you can actually record a 60-second audio clip. Uh, there's a link in the description of this video. We would love to play that for all of our other wonderful, magnificent listeners Barring that, you can also just leave us a 60-second clip of anything you like, really. Uh, we love hearing from you. You can also email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram. Again, we are switching on and off, so every two weeks we're going to have an episode like this, one of our classics talking about an aviation disaster. On the other weeks, we are going to tell personal stories or maybe stories of aviation incidents that just can't be dragged out to an hour long. If you have a story you'd like to share, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening. Bye.